Hello and welcome to Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, marathon podcaster and special effects artist, and I'm joined as ever by my lovely co-host Sam Ashurst, and I am a writer, I'm a director, I write about film, I write about TV, I do all sorts, but today I'm going to be talking about Elvira, Mistress of the Dark with Dan Martin. Hello. Podcaster extraordinaire. I can't believe that you've done so many podcasts in one evening, Dan. So many podcasts, Sam. We're, you are my joint champion. Yes, I am indeed. And uh, we're still ill, by the way, because this we did this at the same time oh, yes. as Heather's. But forget about Heather's today. Now, this From instant... a whole other year. It is... The same year. Same, From a whole the yes. same year. Yes. And in fact, there, there's another thing that connects them, just to jump ahead before we go into the plot. You jump ahead, too. Um, yeah, Brad Pitt auditioned for both... Elvira and Heather's. Oh yeah, he did. He yeah. Audition. She um. She said she couldn't have Brad Pitt because he was too attractive and she'd be distracted. Well, no, actually, no. That, I mean, that's close. But um, she said that basically her character would not go with the love interest Bob if, if Brad, Brad Pitt, Pitt was there. Oh, okay. She would just yeah. run away with this teenage boy, and that's probably not the best <laughs> message to send out. So, um, And uh, young Bradley also auditioned for Heathers. He auditioned for JD, yes. but they felt that he didn't quite have enough edge, I believe, is the reason he didn't get that. Anyway, what's Elvira about, Dan? Elvira plays... So the character of Elvira plays herself in the film is that a fair way of describing what's going on it's sort of a character from tv which is a performance character and then it's acknowledging the fact that she's a tv character anyway elvira is doing introducing horror films and making fun of them on a small tv network uh and hoping to get the money together to go to vegas to put on a show but she finds out that she has to put up more of the money for the show than she realized or some of the money at all uh, and she can't afford it but then luckily uh, an old aunt she didn't know about dies and she uh, is uh, named in the inheritance. So she travels to buttfuck, middle of nowhere, uh, America to listen to the reading of the will and uh, and see what she's won. And what she gets is an, uh, a, a spooky old house and a cookbook. Her, her aunt's... It is her aunt, right? It's her aunt? Yeah, her aunt's cookbook. And um, what she doesn't realise is the cookbook is actually a grimoire uh, full of spells, and uh, and that her seemingly nice uncle, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see, seemingly nice uncle, is after the cookbook because he's a wizard or a warlock or something, uh, and he wants those spells, and he'll stop at nothing to get them because he's a bad guy. And he turns the town against her, and uh, and she has to win them back and also defeat him with magic. That's, that's a very comprehensive description. <laughs> Just one one question based on, on the lead into that description. Um, you do know that Elvira isn't a person and that it's a character played by... Yeah, that's what I was saying. It's it could, Elvira because... the character plays herself. She's, she's, she's treating the other performance... It's, it's not like a movie about the TV show... It's a movie that treats the TV show as though that's a real person, like we're seeing so, a celebrity playing themselves. So, do you think that, for example, Kermit the Frog, <laughs> when he's in Muppets Take Manhattan, <laughs> Kermit the Frog is playing the no. character Kermit the Frog? I mean, maybe that's a bad well, example. No, Muppets, no so Muppets Take Manhattan is a bad example because he's playing <laughs> the same character. Yes, he's, that's so true. Um, so that's just part the of Muppet the same movie, world. Or... But, but well, the Christmas Carol is is the version, there is the one you should go. have chosen. Yes. And in that, the character Kermit the Frog is playing 
in a similar way to Alva- the character Alvara is playing. So that's similar to this, Great, but it's not it. the same as Muppets Take Manhattan. I, I just wanted They're to make different. sure that you know Cassandra Peterson exists. Yeah, she's a real person. Fantastic. She's right. friends with Alvara. <laughs> but you never see them together. They're not on uh, good terms at the moment. <laughs> but yeah, uh, this the, the film does have a connection to the TV show in that it was envisioned as uh, an origin story for that yeah. character. So I can, see, I can see where you're coming from. Now... This is a very unusual example of a movie that we've done on the podcast, I believe, because this was a first-time watch for me, I believe. It was a first-time watch for me as well. So, yeah, this isn't one that we're nostalgic for, which may make an interesting difference. It may not. Um, How did you feel about this film? Uh, I hate to say this because I don't think it makes for the most interesting podcast, but I was kind of ambivalent about it. Um, Uh-oh, there were th- me too. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. Um, I, th- it was quite fun, but I don't really care for us, like super campy humour. Those jokes don't land for me. Um, right, I'm going to talk about some positives. Yeah, but- the thing is, there are lots of positives yeah. to talk about. It's just that, like, on that... Fi- I think the thing is, if I'd just seen this in the in the cinema, or I'd, or, or I'd rented it on VHS, I'd be like, eh, fine, whatever and moved on. Although there were some fun bits in it. I think that the documentary on the disc about the special effects is worth it. Yeah. Like, it's such a good extra. It's really, really good, really comprehensive. I'd I'd keep the disc in my collection for that in the same way that I have, like, the Fangoria documentary about Tom Savini on my shelf. Yeah. Like, that kind of thing. It's Yeah, it's a great doc. Uh, And I actually, uh, I, I like the main, the kind of the feature length documentary about the film because I think one of the reasons that maybe Dan and I, uh, you know, never bothered with this is that Elvira just isn't a thing in the UK yeah. at all. Yeah, like yeah. full stop, full stop. Um, in the US, obviously, it's, she's a much bigger deal. And so I felt like I learned more, you know, I, I learned about her from uh, the, the really good documentary, which does unfortunately suffer from a thing that really annoys me in documentaries on other discs, and I have highlighted it on other discs. So I think it's only fair I highlight it here. There are moments where the sound quality is inconsistent. So an interview in one room will sound really bad and then the other um, interviews sound great. There's not too much of it. It's just one guy um, uh, and they don't speak to him too much. So it's not too Maybe bad. But, uh, could just be his voice. Is, uh, sounds like a shit mic. But, how, um, how do you, in, in your... How how would you deal with that if you were editing the documentary? Would you not include him? Would you downgrade the rest of the audio to match it so it didn't feel out of place? I mean, yeah, this this sounds like this sounds confrontational, Dan. Um, <laughs> it's not meant to be. I didn't realize that you edited it's, this no, documentary. No, 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 it's not not at all. Like, the but thing no, is, no, I, I get it, I get no, it. I mean, I, you I mean, know, we sit through some crappy old quality stuff. Oh, we do. We less do. and less these days with everything being remastered and beautifully presented to we us. We do, but... and maybe that's it. Maybe I've gotten spoiled and, and you know, I expect a certain standard. Um, which isn't to say, by any means, this is a bad disc. The the commentary's excellent. Uh, yeah, it is. And, and and like Dan says, that, that special effects featurette is, is worth the price uh, alone-ish. Yeah, no, no, I'd say that. <laughs> yeah, and, and in terms of the humour, um, I actually do like this. Weirdly... I kind of hate puns, but <laughs> I love the Marx Brothers, and I love this the Marx Brothers. this kind of reminds me of, of that kind of humour. Dan's yeah. looking very uh, pained. Yeah, I mean, it's no fucking Marx Brothers. Of course but... it is, but what is? But at least you know, I respect it for having that tone. Um, yeah, and... yeah, I'll give you that. 
It's uh, fun. Look, the thing is, the scene with the suit monster is fucking great. The crockpot monster crock is, pot monster is beautifully designed. He's. It's not just that he's beautifully designed. It's that they've approached that scene in a way that independent or low-budget films don't tend to. In that they've basically created a different puppet for every shot, mm-hmm. and it's you can tell because it's it put, plays so well, mm. and it's one of the reasons that that breakdown is so good. Yeah. There's some very mm. austere and bored-looking special effects nerds talking about how they put this all together, and it's literally a shot-by-shot breakdown of what the different puppets did yeah. and how they approached it, and it's absolutely fantastic. So if you are interested in that side of things, it's a great instructional about how to plan a shoot, which isn't something that's talked about particularly. Um, I was actually in the workshop today on a job I'm not allowed to talk about yet. I was visited by uh, a designer who I, whose work I admire greatly, uh, and we were talking about the uh, talking about like the the care and attention that used to go into special effects. Talking about like how the thing had a whole separate shoot for effects, and American Wealth had a whole separate shoot for effects. Uh, and I was talking about when I was, uh, I guess I must have been about seventeen. I was PAing for a director and we were doing some camera tests up at uh, Panavision in London. And um, at the same time, they were loading up the camera truck to go out and start shooting the first Mummy film. And the, the special effects cinematographer was with them. And I didn't know that that was a job at the time. And he had with him the storyboards for the special effects sequences in The Mummy, which hadn't been made yet. And he showed me these boards, and he talked to me about, like, this bit's going to be digital, this bit's going to be physical, we'll shoot this bit separately. And it was the first time I'd seen that there was that kind of planning that had to go into it. Like, I already knew I wanted to do special effects, but I knew nothing about it, really, at that point. And it was amazing to think about, like, all the all the organisation and forethought that has to go into these things. And that documentary is a lovely, lovely insight into it. It mm. really is. Um, like watching these rather dry men talk <laughs> dispassionately about an amazing thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. And much like Heather's, in a way, uh, it feels like you know there's elements of Elvira that are very much dated. Obviously, I'm, I'm sure um, they wouldn't rip up that specific issue of Spider-Man <laughs> if, if they had the choice again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. It feels, you know, there, there's some Me Too-ish stuff at the start. and Yeah, the, look, I think the, the thing that definitely struck was that she's a really interesting character. Yeah. And although the way in which she's performed I find slightly grating and I don't necessarily care for the jokes, um, I think she's doing some pretty interesting and important stuff. Completely uh, and agree. What it's doing is it's taking the 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 whore image, you know, the so there's the idea that in in fiction, uh, particularly patriarchal fiction, women are divided into the whore and the Madonna. Yeah. You've got the mother figure, the virginal mother figure, and you've got the the, the slattern. And in and this was a comparatively rare example. And and I guess it's because it's essentially an exploitation film masquerading as a mainstream film. Mm. But it's a whore character being the hero. And she's doing it in defiance of this like stuffy old shirt uncle man character. And the puritanical like uh, projections of the town who object to her with her low cut, you know, tops yeah, and yeah, all that but, kind of but, stuff. But, but even more than that, like you know, the the producer character at the start, she's you know, she's very much in control of her own sexuality, and she's yeah. in, in charge of you know, people try to objectify her, and she takes control of that, yeah. and and so 
you know, I think, it, like you say, a really interesting character um, and certainly not what I was expecting and, and perhaps maybe that's another reason I've kind of avoided it. But um, it was actually the opposite of, of what I was expecting. So um, good on you, Elvira, a.k.a. Elvira. Yeah, um, the two, the Elvira playing the character Elvira. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Shall we move on to recommendations based on this film? Yeah, let's do it. Dan, what Me have you first. Got? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to direct a little film from 1991. It's directed by Martin Campbell, who you know as the director of Goldeneye, Vertical Limit. Mm. Uh, how can you... Oh, bollocks! No, we're going back. Scrap that. But we've. I've, I had a question for you. What of our? Which of our other podcasts does this film relate to? What other film that we've talked about in our podcast does this have a really weird close connection? Hang to? on a minute. Which so which which film which Arrow release? Yeah, that we've done that on we've a covered on a previous podcast. Is this film directly connected to? <sighs> or, I'll make it. I'll make it easier. The director of this film, James Signorelli, worked on one of the other films that we did. In our podcast, mm. that we've covered in our podcast, Dan's looking at his phone. So. Well, that was so I could remember Signorelli. <laughs> <laughs> uh, t- tell, tell the audience, tell the dear sweet listeners what uh, what precious precious podcast they should go back and listen to again. Uh, he was a special camera operator brought in to shoot the wedding scene in Phantom of the Paradise. No way, yeah. that's awesome. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's a great connection. Right, so back to Martin Campbell, the uh, the auteur extraordinaire. Yeah, Martin Campbell, who directed in 1991 a Fred Ward movie movie about magic yes yeah cast a deadly spell yeah which is a fantastic movie that's a great one with normalized magic in it which i adore yeah and it's and it's another one that i you know i think i said this last time uh it's one that i think people in this country don't necessarily know about very much another one i found on big box rental x rental uh it's fantastic i think it was a tv movie in the states but it's fantastic that is a spectacular recommendation and if you are lucky enough to be listening to this in the the u.s of america if you're in the united states where everybody eats mcdonald's according to your president um (laughs) did he really say that recently well in a way but dear sweet american listener i know i know you're nothing like what your president represents you as um and i'm sorry if that upset you but you can cheer yourself up by watching the film that dan just recommended on amazon prime where it currently exists oh, is it on prime, um, is it? we don't have it in the uk but uh they've got it in the states so. uh, does anyone own it in the uk i mean that should be an easy no, pick up for arrow shouldn't it seriously i think there may be some weird rights issues because because yeah film, yeah maybe. exactly because because yeah. we've never had it but yeah, uh, definitely. I'm sure we had it on VHS. We had it on VHS, yeah, because I had a power VHS. We have, but I don't think it's made. Maybe it has made the leap to DVD. In which case, I'm going to go and buy it right yeah, now. That, that's um, two two copies they've sold tonight. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, that is a, an infinitely better recommendation than my first recommendation, <laughs> um, which is Duck Soup. As, as Dan, as, oh, as Dan said, such a great film though. It, it's an incredible film, and it's so much infinitely. Uh, it, it's it's very much much uh, superior to Elvira. Sorry, Elvira, and I'm sorry, Elvira, but um, I'm sure you would both agree that uh, this film is, is better than your film. It's astonishing. It's a perfect comedy. Who was it recently? Um, Stevie, film fan Stevie, who, yeah, yeah. who goes to Fright Fest. He's a big Fright Fester. I was ill recently, and still am, and uh, put a shout out on Twitter for people to recommend my first movie of the year to watch. And TV recommended this and said it's uh, basically uh, a balm to his soul, like he finds it a joy to watch every time. So, I first watched for you. Uh, no, no, oh. no. 
No, of oh, course not. Is, I'm just saying oh, that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He recommended it because he loves it so much. I hadn't watched a movie this year yet because I was ill, so yeah, what, yeah, what yeah, yeah, film yeah. should I watch for the first time? Anyway, yes, if you've not seen Duck Soup, then I believe uh, Arrow are releasing or re-releasing uh, the Blu-ray on April the 1st this year, appropriately Amazing. enough. Uh, is it your favourite Marx Brothers? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic um, film. I find it a difficult choice between that and Day of the Races. Yeah, and... I also like Animal Crackers, and I think they're also releasing Animal like Crackers. The opera as well, yes, oh my so god, good. yeah, yeah, seriously, just perfect, perfect movies. And god, there's god. a chance someone listening to this hasn't seen Duck Soup, in which case, pre-order that Blu-ray. It is perfect. Yeah, it's a lot like Elvira, but really, really. They both funny. use puns. They're both funny, That's true. and yeah, yeah. There you go. It's fine. Uh, 1994, John Waters, Serial Mum. Yes, another great one. You're actually. Yeah, yours are much better than mine this, this time. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will freely admit that. Yeah, Jen, it was my wife who said you have to put in a John Waters recommendation. Yeah. Uh, Elvira does have quite a John Waters vibe. It doesn't go as far as John Waters does, but uh, Serial Mum is a nice comparison to it because as we were talking about the virginal mother and mm. the whore in Elvira, the whore character is the, and I don't really like the words, but that's the. That you is, know what yeah. I'm saying. I'm, I'm glad you explained it earlier yeah, because, yeah, yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah. Um, is the hero and in Serial Mom, the virginal, mother, pure mother character great. is the villain. So, what a Freudian double bill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm actually going to change my second recommendation to Cry Baby yeah. um, <laughs> because I feel tonally and kind of sort of visually it's a very appropriate. Can I ask what it was going to be, though? It was going to be either Vampira and Me, which is an, a so so documentary, yeah, 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 yeah. but obviously, you know, there was. Uh, Vampira actually sued Elvira because yeah. um, they were so similar but she was the original kind of goth punk horror host yeah. um, in the 50s when it was like she basically looks like she's straight from the 70s yeah. it's kind of amazing so I was going to recommend that or I was going to recommend tenuously Gremlins 2 because it's got a horror host in it and if you can recommend Gremlins 2 you should see my um, long list uh, short list yeah uh, was Pee Wee's Playhouse? Oh yeah, and she's in that. And she's and, in, yeah, 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 and and has again has a very similar tone. But again, I didn't, I don't actually like very much. So I didn't, yeah, didn't no, I don't, it. I don't. I, I find it creepy. Kind of cold, yeah, I find it creepy. Um, but yeah, we've we've recommended some some good ones in there. Um, you know, pick and choose for yourselves. You know, we're we're not your mums. We we can't do it all for you. <laughs> um, right. I mean, maybe one of us is. Uh, who knows? I mean, I yeah. Who knows? Dan, which of us is... No. Um, <laughs> I was going to go back into the Freudian thing, but probably best not to. Dan, what have you watched in the past couple of weeks? Um, so I'm not pre as prepared as I should be for this. I do have the recommendations. It's just that one of them I was inspired to rewatch by a Twitter conversation, and I meant to write down the, tw the handle of the person who had inspired right. the watch, and I didn't, and I'm sorry. Basically, someone uh, posted four depictions of hell and said that they're always interested in how hell is portrayed in film and and that these were four of their favourites and what did other people like. And whenever I think about that, I always think about something I saw a clip of back in uh, film college uh, or, you know, while doing my film studies A-level, not quite the same thing as going to film college. Um, and, uh, and didn't watch in its entirety until much later and hadn't seen in its entirety for a long time, uh, but it's L'Enfano. It's from 1911. Mm. It's the oldest existing feature. I think it's like the second feature-length film. 
uh, first Italian feature-length film. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. It's a little under 90 minutes. Uh, Georges Méliès-style special effects mm-hmm. abound. Uh, it's based on Dante's journey through hell, and it's absolutely chocker with like humans being used in stop-motion sequences and rear projection and double exposure and marionette Cerberuses yeah. and all the biz, and it's absolutely charming. I think there was uh, a DVD in the UK, but it's out of print now. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of copies in their entirety up on YouTube. Obviously, it's out of copyright. Although, I think the version with the Tangerine Dream set rescore uh, <laughs> isn't out of copyright no. for obvious reasons. That is on YouTube. It is not, and, and that's the version that was on DVD in the UK. It's yeah. not the best print that's on YouTube. Um, someone did their own score for it, which is actually very nice. And they've used a slightly unnecessary like colour filter version to play. If you turn the colour down on that, that's the best quality version. So look for the one where the title card's yellow on black on YouTube. Give it a watch. If you haven't seen it, it is literally the oldest feature film it's possible to watch. So you can go right back to the beginning of feature cinema, have a look at that and see kind of both how far we've come and also like how much they were doing right at the beginning as well because there's some genuinely delightful yeah. stuff oh there. god yeah and even when it doesn't work at all and it often doesn't work at all it's it's charming yeah yeah it's great very good excellent now last time uh two two weeks ago or or, or you know 40 minutes ago depending on where you are in the world you uh said that you wish that you'd watch more documentaries it's yeah. one of your sort of targets for this year uh, i have one to recommend uh for you that Thank i you. watched in the past couple of weeks welcome to leith have you seen it i have not no so this is a, a, a terrifying documentary. It, it felt like a horror film to me. It really did. About a white supremacist oh Christ. Who, who tries to take over a small town in rural America. Basically, I think his logic is there's only 24 people in this town. And, and so he, he moves there and people, you know, think he's sort of this eccentric oddball, but, you know, they don't really know who he is. It's a documentary. Yeah. Wow. And this is why it feels like a horror film because the way it progresses is, yeah. um, and I'm not going to go too far into it because there's lots of, you know, jaw-dropping moments in this thing. But yeah, this, this kind of far-right activist, Craig Cobb, buys a house there and starts buying up property around the town, and people don't really know why he's doing that. They just think he's a bit of a weirdo. Um, but then he starts inviting some of the you know, far-right, the most kind of uh, prominent far-right leaders and speakers to come and live in this town with him so they can politically take it over and it can become the first openly um, racist town in america Jesus. yeah it's crazy and, and so when did the documentary like were they was he like i'm gonna do this thing come along and make a documentary about me or was it like <coughs> after the fact it's after the it's fact after the so fact, so okay. there's a certain amount it, but not too far after the fact at the very start it's mainly told in in sort of anecdotes but then the documentary crew do arrive there in in time to catch the biggest moments um, oh of this story. Like, they're there for it. And there's some really fucking terrifying scenes where... I, I won't go into it, because uh, I, I really think that, you know, I, I shouldn't spoil some of these moments. So it's released in uh, 2015, which is kind of incredible because it feels like a warning, um, a very recent warning about where America was potentially headed um, in terms of, like, the all-right and all-right tactics. You know, there's some doxing in there. There's Yeah, anyway, 
I won't go into it too much. Please watch this documentary. Um, it's on BFI Player, so it's easy to access in that respect. I'm sure it's on DVD as well. But if you're a BFI Player subscriber, um, then not that I'm trying to promote them, but, you know, that's how I saw it. Um, do watch it. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, fuck and, it's and scary. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. fuck the BFI. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds... Fucking horrible, and I'm very keen to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> I it's love great. a bit of grueling. It's great, it's oh great. Oh my God. Wow, okay, so yeah, uh, I um, mentioned last time that I'm doing my list. Uh, it's another classic that I've never seen before off my list. Uh, I'm sure, Sam, you've already seen it. I'm sure a lot of my... Uh, a lot of our listeners have also seen it. Did you just say my listeners? Well, yeah, but because I'm not thinking about what I'm saying because I'm scrolling through my notes. <laughs> so I well, apologize. please, Dan, as one of your listeners, I'd love to hear about this. Uh... Thanks, Sam. All right. <laughs> Thanks for joining me on my show. <laughs> Again, I mean, we really ought to make it official. You're here all the time. I mean, seriously. Um, so it is another banging classic from 1957. Can you think what I was... <laughs> what I watched. Because dates of, of films are, are your thing. You're so good at it. Yes, but there were a lot of good films released in 1957. What do you think so. the second best film released in 1957? Oh, fuck, it doesn't matter. It's Witness for the Prosecution. I've oh, I've never, what? I've never seen Witness Holy for the Prosecution. F- Billy Wilder is one of my directors that I'm, I need to watch more of. Oh, my God. I watched Some Like It Hot relatively young. Yeah. Did not like it. No, I don't I, I don't like Some Like It Hot um, either. Um... And actually, it yeah, it, it, it totally like I just didn't really bother with Wilder. I only saw the apartment for the first time like five years ago. Yeah, it's yeah. So I'm working my way through his stuff. Oh my fucking god, how good! Yeah, just so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, for the two of you out there that haven't watched it, it's a, a British courtroom drama, uh, uh, penned and directed by Wilder. It's chocker with really amazing dialogue, as is his thing. But it's also got some amazing characterization, and it's pretty dark as well. It's yeah, it's absolutely fantastic, and it has this. Without wanting to spoil anything in it, it has a moment in it that I thought was set to maybe ruin the film, and then turned out to be one of the best things about the film. Yeah. So wow. Yeah, it's incredible. I think I've tried to turn you on to Billy Wilder in the past. I think I showed you Starlog Seventeen, which uh, I love, but you, you didn't did. like it. I, I liked it, but yeah, I yeah. wasn't super in love with it. Yeah, and yeah. actually, it was Jen that made me watch the apartment. He's her favorite director. I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so me and Jen have actually yeah, both. We've we've watched films together, knowing that you're not necessarily into Wilder. Contrived so. to push me to him <laughs> and failed ish, and then I was like, you know, fucking hell, Dan, grow up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> get with the program. Yeah, no, absolutely fantastic. I think so far he's. Uh, I, I've now just tipped the balance into films I love versus films I either didn't like or was fine with. Yeah, like, I mean, I've now the, seen more that I love. This is him. it. Oh, that's fantastic, and um, especially the kind of stuff he wrote. Yeah, this is it. I'm I'm a little bit obsessed with Wilder. I've got, I've got you know several books about him, several scripts. But uh, the closest comparison I can make to him for anyone listening out there who hasn't experienced any of his work or has only seen some like it hot, which isn't my favourite either um, at all. Aaron Sorkin. I think that um, Aaron Sorkin takes a lot of influence from Wilder. I can see that. Um, I don't think Wilder's a smug. A Sorkin. True, but there is, I mean, that could be time um, yeah, that's doing absolutely. that because there is an element of smugness oh, yeah. that I like yeah, um, yeah, yeah. to his well, work. Well, he knows how good he is. Exactly. And, but but he's entirely justified in that. It, completely. Like, yeah. the best. The best. Great recommendation. Mine is not quite as impressive as that one, uh, but it is still good. Yield to the Night, which is a very cool... Uh, 
British noir with uh, shot in a very interesting way. Um, there's some very cool, weird angles and, you know, lovely black and Nouveau white cinema. noir or old noir? Uh, so it's, it's 50s. Oh, nice, um, okay. Yeah, and, and actually I should have... I'm done with these new movies, so... I, I should have <laughs> instantly mentioned the central performance, which would have dated it a bit better. Let me actually just double-check it's 50s because you said that I'm good with dates, but sometimes... Yeah, thank God. Right, okay. <laughs> when is it? 1956. Nice. Oh, uh, pretty much in the middle of the Yeah, place. exactly. Bang in the middle. So the first thing I should have mentioned was uh, the Astonishing Central Performance, which would have dated it to around about 1956. Diana Dawes oh, okay. um, is the lead, and she honestly and genuinely should have won an Oscar um, for, for this performance. It's so fucking real, it's so raw, and it's so kind of varied, nuanced, I should say, rather than varied um, and it's basically the film opens um, with a crime being committed by her character um, and then we catch up with her in prison uh, and we kind of through flashbacks find out why she committed that crime and it, she is potentially about to be hung for oh, the crime wow. so yeah a lot of people mistakenly think it's about the last woman in britain to be hung um but that's not true because the timeline doesn't quite match up but you know it, it, it's clearly resonant and it was clearly relevant at the time obviously you know not as much of an issue these days um though who knows what will happen post brexit um we'll all yeah. be swinging I from mean, lampposts yeah well i think we're pretty close to bringing back capital punishment for disagreeing with the governing party there we? we go a little bit of politics for you there <laughs> scattered in with the recommendations of amazing films honestly while Yield to the Night isn't quite Billy Wilder levels I would still highly recommend it it's available on DVD fucking um, noirs are good aren't they noirs oh, are noirs bloody, bloody good, good. <laughs> they are probably maybe the best along with horrors and other and things Joe that we like and, yeah <laughs> just fucking all of it good old oh, films films brilliant films Sam. are brilliant that is a good way to conclude this Someone podcast should do a podcast about film they really should <laughs> maybe you should and invite me to guest on it every <laughs> single episode <laughs> yes um right extra features extra uh, extra features extra features extra features no extra features no extra features once again uh we're both ill and it's it's january well february for you but january for us so welcome from the past yeah welcome from the past hope everything's not too on fire right dan (laughs) what is your internet contact information uh well you can get to me uh one of two ways well three ways but two of them are the same Ah. So at thirteen finger fx uh, is my Twitter handle and also my Instagram handle, uh, and you can follow me on either of those for uh, footage of effects and uh, witterings about when things I've worked on have come out and pictures of my cool goblin faced dog. Or you can email me and Sam at Arrow Video Podcast at arrowfilms.co.uk. Please do. Which is, Mike doesn't even have to put it in the description this week, although this time, although I think he should as well. Do you know what? It I've should just, go in as standard, I think. Uh, it should. I've just had an idea. What's your idea? How about we start doing, dear sweet listener and Dan, how about we start asking the dear sweet listeners to give us recommendations? 
possibly based on the film that we've just covered on the podcast, possibly based on the past couple of weeks. And if there's any gems in there, anything we haven't seen, maybe we could read them out on the podcast. That's a very good idea, Sam. I think you just brought some gold to these here hills. And we can can (laughs) pop... That's not a fucking phrase. It's good. I like it. And and we can can pop it into (laughs) these extra features on those times where we don't actually have extra features. So from now on, we'll always have extra features. That's fucking good. Right. Dear sweet listener, you sat there... Please send us your recommendations if based you on Heather's or Elvira or, or, or Blowout or, or whatever you want to yeah, do. Yeah, any film we've done. Or, yeah. yeah. Or just something you've seen recently that you think we might not have seen. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a lot, but if you manage to do it, then you can win the prize of our eternal respect. Oh, talking of prizes, in case you didn't realise, uh, we are recording this back-to-back with Heather's, so if one of you has... What did I say they had to do to win my laser disc? Literally just tweet at you. Just tweet at me. Hmm, I should have made that harder. Yeah, like, get there before me. Get there before Sam. Yeah, Sam's got a a three-day head start, a four-day head start. And the fact that I'm going to take it on my way out of this house. (laughs) But yes, yes. I'm going to start. Okay. But congratulations to you. Congratulations to whoever won. Yes. And, And I don't know how I got it to you. I probably gave it to Arrow and made them post it to you. And they'll be like, oh, for fuck's sake. Because now... I'm going to say, I've got a stack of other laser discs. Anyone else want some laser discs? Not this time, because I can't be able to go upstairs. But at some point, I will get the laser disc and we'll start doing little, little competitions to clear up my bullshit. <laughs> this, this might actually be the best extra features ever. Um, so, so, yeah, that's, that's the end of that. Uh, and that's the end of this. Thank you so much for listening. And we promise to be more professional next time. I'm back on board, I promise. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye.